is Clayton Howe's Entertainment X. For part one with Julie Banco, we talk about work ethic, fiddler on the roof, self-doubt, funny girl, and her upcoming album release. So I hope you enjoy part one with Julie Banco. We're back. I'm Clayton Howe, and today with me on Zoom is Julie Banco. Julie, thank you for joining me today. Hi. Very, very exciting things to talk about. Of course, we're going to touch on Funny Girl and so much more. But before we get to any of that, I want to take it back to the beginning of time for you. What were your entertainment dreams growing up? Oh, boy. Well, in the beginning of time, mm -hmm. I loved singing. <laughs> I always loved singing and theater. And we would go... We, I lived kind of close to the city, so we would see shows and then we would go to Goodspeed Opera House and see these, and I loved watching Grease and Sound of Music and, and all the, you know, Judy Garland movies and everything. Uh, I loved to sing and I begged for singing lessons and my mother was always like, absolutely not. You don't have any talent. Um, your friend, Sarah, who lives three doors down, she's got the talent. Like she's really, she's loud. You're not loud. So, um, yeah, I didn't, I mean, I was just kind of carrying on for fun in the basement. Like I remember in in this, I had this CD that was like Andrew Lloyd Webber highlights or something. And it had like two songs from each one of his shows. And I would just like, I think I wore that thing out like in the basement doing like, you know, Phantom and and Joseph and, and you know, I think I've learned the whole Andrew Lloyd Webber catalog at the age of like eight or nine and came up with routines for like all of it. And then um, I guess I was, it was, I was around 12, 13 and I was studying for my bat mitzvah and uh, my cantor who was teaching me, you know, you have to learn all of the like the trope, the, you know, like it's all this stuff that it's, for when you're learning the Torah. And um, my cantor said to my mom, you know, actually, I think her voice lessons, I think she's got some potential. And so my mom like, okay. So I found a voice teacher and I started, started studying and did drama club and got really into that in high school. And um, yeah, definitely got the bug doing Les Mis and Fiddler and a bunch of shows like that. So what did your parents teach you about work? Ethic? I don't know. Does that, does that go far back enough? Yeah. Oh, it goes far. Yeah. And it, what did they teach? Yeah. Um, cause I, you know, oh, work ethic. I mean, I think, um, they're both very diligent, pragmatic people. And my mom is a high school Spanish teacher and, uh, she, she taught at my high school in fact. So sometimes we actually, we would always stop for coffee on the way and, uh, that's when my coffee addiction began. We would get there like a little late sometimes and she'd write me a pass to Ken, you know, and I, <laughs> my teacher would be like, your mother wrote you this path, you know, but, um, oh, that's but no, she was really into like having, you know, they both worked full time. And so my mom would hire a lot of her like favorite students uh, who had their driver's license, you know, at 17, 18 to, mm -hmm. to be after school babysitters for my sister and me. And they would drive us to, you know, our lessons and our extracurriculars and, and stuff. And she always picked these girls who were just uh, really hard workers, kind people, like very fun, very winning, very poised. 
women, you know, young women. And they, I would say, became pretty strong role models. Um, so just watching how they worked, you know, and then a lot of them have gone on to have these like wonderful careers and, and, and also had families and all these stuff. And they've just had a really nice balance um, and were very mature for their age at a young, you know, at 17, 18. And um, so I think that they helped set up, you know, a good model in that way by just hiring babysitters who were, you know, had their stuff together. Sure. Was there a particular moment in time for you when you decided you wanted to pursue theater and entertainment and that would be the thing for you? Um, I didn't think about it until I was in a, I was a freshman in high school and I met, um, I was doing Fiddler on the Roof at the JCC and my whole family was in it. My dad was the innkeeper and my mom was a villager and my sister was Lil Bielka and I was Huddle. And um, the director of that show changed my life. Like she, she became my acting teacher. She ran a youth theater program I would do every summer. I ended up working for her as a camp counselor at that program. But she sat down with my parents after Fiddler and said, you know, I think, I think you, you know, Julie has something that is unique and she, she could do this as a job if she wanted. And I hadn't thought about it till then. And then I just sort of free fell into my love of theater and music and, and arts. And um, by the time I was a sophomore or junior, I kind of knew that that was what I wanted to, to pursue. And um, by my, you know, senior year, I was like, I am applying to school for this. And, and I thought if I don't get in, you know, then maybe I'll think of doing something else. Like I think I would have made a great gynecologist. Um, <laughs> specifically, but like, um, but I got in and I sort of, I ended up on that path, you know, and, yeah. and, and honestly, like still to this day, every so often things aren't going well, you're not getting auditions, whatever. I mean, right now things are going great, but you know, even six months ago, I was like, should I go back to, should I go to medical school? You know, should I go get my prereqs, you know, for medical school? So, you know, you're, you still think that even as, as you've, I'd already been on Broadway, you know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> It, it those thoughts they they stick around do you have a um i mean you know because there's like self-doubt and then there's also like you know reality of a situation but when the self-doubt comes in do you have like a self-talk that you use or think about to kind of push through um i think that i i talked i got married a, almost a year ago uh today it was uh, it'll be a year on sunday Thank you. I talked to my husband about it, you know, and, and he's an artist too. So he kind of gets that, like, we don't do the same thing, but, um, mm. he's a jazz pianist. And, um, actually we have a, we have an album coming out in August. Uh, so look for that. It's called hand in hand on club 44 records. Um, but yeah, we, we, I think we bounce our insecurities off of each other and lift each other up. So sometimes it's just helpful to have somebody who's a bit more of an objective observer sort of use those behavior, you know, cognitive behavioral th techniques, right? Where you're like, this is the evidence for and against. And, right. you know, if you actually look at, you know, how, how competitive this field is and, and you've got to do this, 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 and this, even though nothing's happening right now, like, you, so you've been doing well and, and, you know, and I think um, that's helpful. And I also just think a practice of um, writing and creating has been really, really helpful. Like, um, I like to write plays and, and uh, fil short films. And um, even if there's nothing that gonna, that's gonna be released, 
for any sort of public consumption, I find the morning ritual of just like getting up over a cup of coffee, letting my mind wander and write creatively is really useful because it just reminds me um, that like I can have fun in my imagination and be playful. Um, and I don't need, I don't need an outside, you know, I don't need a job for that. I, you, it literally is, it's so much fun to just imagine mm. and I can do that by myself. So I think that that is, that's been something that I developed over the, over the pandemic, that practice. And, um, I've found it to be really useful just in getting through some, some of those tough times. Yeah. Are there other parts of your morning ritual or do you refer to a text daily or is there any prompts you use when you write or anything in particular? I, I don't, I'm pretty like, I wake up, I make coffee, I feed the cat. Um, my husband is, he could sleep until noon if he's undisturbed. So I, I usually have like quiet and, um, I don't like to listen to music when I write, like I like there to just be sort of quiet silence, maybe some birds in the background and um, the cat will sit on my lap and want a little bit of like rubbing after his breakfast. And I sort of, I usually have an idea of um, like a project that I'm working on. So what I try to do is I, I tend to like things based in history and stories based in real places and then coming up with fictional people, you know, historical fiction, mm. but um so I like to just generally do research. And so what I'll be doing is like, I'll be reading a book about that topic in some way, or I'll be watching movies on that topic. And that kind of gets my imagination going so that then when I'm sitting, when I'm sitting down for my daily writing, it's like my head's in that space. And so sometimes whatever I've read that night before, before bed will sort of show up, you know, and then it just gives you something to work with. I think the hardest part is starting. And then once you have something, then you can, you know, at least work massage things. But the first draft is the worst. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's getting, that's the trick is getting started. Um, yeah. Is there an amount of time you do it or is it like half hour, hour? Or it's just kind of whatever comes out. I, my rule is 10 minutes okay. minimum. So I find that that's helpful because sometimes, you know, if I were to sit down and say, I have to, I have to write an hour every day it's too easy for things that come up to distract you. And you say, well, uh, I've got this going on today. I'm on for Fanny today. I, I'm, you know, I, I'm not feeling well an hour or even 30 minutes. I think it's too insurmountable. Uh, and so then it's easy to just go, well, I'll do it tomorrow, but then tomorrow something comes up. But I think 10 minutes is super manageable. You go, okay, even if nothing comes mm -hmm. for 10 minutes, I'm going to set my timer and think about it for 10 minutes and at least, and thinking counts as writing. Like thinking is just imaginative and creative. And if I'm thinking about the project and checking in with it 10 minutes every day, then great. And sometimes that turns into two hours and sometimes nothing comes and you're like, well, okay, I showed up. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. It's the, it's 10 minutes. You're just having something that's very digestible with any, any new habit. Anything. You know? Yeah. Whether you're, you know, learning a new instrument or, mm. you know, whatever it is, even exercise. If you're just like, if you're somebody who doesn't exercise and you're like, well, if I, I could do 10 minutes a day, you know, <laughs> <laughs> that's so true. I could too. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I say. <laughs> uh, do you have a particular project that has taught you the most about yourself? Or a significant amount. Mm. 
Uh, I think um, I wrote this short film, maybe, I guess it was during grad school. It was in the, my second year of graduate school, there was, which I went to for acting. And we had this, um, we had this class that was just the fundamentals of filmmaking. And you had to, everybody in the class wrote a short film that was, the rule was have no dialogue. And then you had all the other actors in your class that you could sort of work, cast out of. And, uh, but actually we were broken up into little groups. So you sort of had to only pick from your group of four, but you wrote it and directed it. And they said, you shouldn't be in it. Uh, so that you can focus on directing and I ignored them and I was in mine. Um, I had such an, an, I mean, I just found that process so invigorating. And I think, hmm. um, you know, I learned so much about what is possible for me as like a creative thinker, as opposed to, I think just so much of, of being an actor for so long, especially in musicals, I think, Sometimes there's a this this idea that there is one way to do something and you just want to be perfect or and you want somebody you want the the, the director to tell you how to do it right, mm-hmm. um, but I think especially like grad school in general, but in that particular project, I sort of felt like I unlocked oh wow like I have something to say mm-hmm. and it's fun to get to say that and so now even bringing things to my acting, I feel like I can trust my imagination and my creativity and more. And, and because I directed it too, I feel like, you know, we talk a lot, I don't know, we talked a lot in grad school about, you know, you want to try and be able to be your own director because you're not always, sometimes you get lucky and you work with amazing directors, but sometimes, you know, especially in like film and TV, I think sometimes they're a lot more concerned about, you know, what the light and the set looks like. And Mm -hmm. they're just like, well, you're the actor. Like, you know what good acting is. So, <laughs> do it. so they don't, yeah, they don't always, you know, and sometimes they'll come and they'll be like, can you do it faster? And you're like, okay, like, what is that? You know, or can you try it? More? You know, they don't always know how to give a playable note because they're cinematographers. They're not, you know, act, they're not actors. So, yeah. so I think that it became a little, that became a, I think a, a moment in my life where I went, oh, I, I've directed something and it, people laughed, people liked it. Like Mm. I, I can, I can let myself direct myself more. And then if you're lucky and you have a great director who has a great eye and great ideas, then that's just like, then you get to be a real collaborator, Mm. but you get to bring more of your full artistry to it rather than just being like, tell me what to do. Yeah. That makes sense. Did you, um, did that feel more uh, freeing in a way, more permission? Yeah, it's freeing and and it's scarier because the more that you, the more that it is you, the more you are vulnerable because Mm. it is, it's you, it's your, if something doesn't work, it feels like your fault. And, uh, you know, if it's somebody else's baby and they're just tell you how to do it and you just are going to deliver, then it's, it's like, you can blame them (laughs) if it doesn't go well. was their idea. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So there's more on the line. It's scarier, but it's also, I think just more fulfilling ultimately. And it's, it's more fun. And I think, you know, we do it cause it's fun, you know? Yeah. Do you have any mentors or ones present or in the past that have taught you any significant, you know, standout lessons? 
Oh boy. I feel like I could talk about this for a full, I don't yeah. know, day. Yes. I mean, yes. I feel like nobody is, nobody gets where they are without their teachers and their mentors. Um, I already mentioned Toby Silver, the, the director of Fiddler on the Roof, yeah. who really, I can't say enough about her. We're still in touch. And she came and saw me in Funny Girl. And um, that was really wonderful. Um, I, I think um, more recently, you know, I, one of my directors slash professors in grad school, his name's Brandon Dearden. He's an actor in Take Me Out right now on Broadway. And he's also a director and he's, he's amazing. Um, very, very talented actor and director and just a great guy. And I would say he was one of the people who in my more recent past, it just sort of gave me permission to be unique and be myself. Like not that number somebody needed to give me that permission, but he mm -hmm. said, you know, the most interesting people, like he was like, list your, some of your favorite actors. And I did. And he was like, so do, are any of those a type? Do any of those fit in a box? Mm. No, like they're all unique. And so just don't try to fit in anybody's box or idea of what this character should look like or act like. Like it's, it's, it's about, you know, it's embrace your, your own uniqueness, you know, mm. and uh, rather than try to be what somebody else imagines. Um, cause it was true when I started listing people, I was like, well, you can't really, you know, I think I said something like, um, I forget who I mentioned at the time, but, um, I don't know when I think of some of my favorite actors, they don't, they're not like a standard, you know, it's not like the standard ingenue, the standard leading man, the right. standard, whatever. Right. Yeah, that's that can also feel very lonely too. You know, to be so not in a group, but it the I feel like the rewards pay off more over time. Just being, you know, your yeah. true unique self. Um, yeah, that's great. I um I wonder if yeah we I think like looking for yeah go ahead no 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 please please sorry go ahead. Well, I was just thinking like, and I think sometimes that's hard. I know when people just say, just be yourself, just be unique, you know, just be yourself. And you're like, what does that even mean? Like, that's the worst in a way you're like, that doesn't, I don't know how to do that. That's not. Yeah. You're like, all right. Um, but I think that what, one, what I've found is helpful for that to mean is like to ask myself, what delights me, hmm. what, you know, what brings me joy, what makes me laugh, you know, what makes me angry you know, and so starting with those questions then helps me start to go, oh yeah, that's why I want to bring this to this performance or that performance. Because, you know, if you're doing comedy, like you have to find it funny. Yeah. If you don't find it funny, the audience won't find it funny. You know, right. you have to find the way in that it, that delights you because if you're having fun on stage, so that's when people have fun watching you. If you're uncomfortable, people sense that. You've been listening to Entertainment X, the podcast. You can follow Entertainment X on Instagram at underscore entertainment X underscore. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join Clay next week for another curiosity conversation on Entertainment X. Thank you for listening. 